The opinions presented on The Healthy Steps Show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning, my dear friends, and let me throw open the full-length French doors to the inner sanctum of the Healthy Steps radio show. You people are marvelous, and I cannot thank you enough for keeping your radio dial tuned to WMNF Tampa. I was gone last week to free the airways for Dr. Fred and Sean Canan to do a little fundraising, but I'm here today and strong, stepping up to the plate to do a little bit of my own little hoodoo on you to get you to throw a few more bits of folding money into the Healthy Steps tip jar. As Reverend Ike used to brag from his Prosperity Cathedral radio tower, you cannot lose with what I use in the Healthy Steps radio show and WMNF uses news, music, and public affairs programming. We employ truth that sometimes enlightens and sometimes discourages you, but never lies to you. We bring you music that you can dance to in your car seat that introduces you to new players and genres or just let you settle in comfortably as you muse and reflect <coughs> on the soundtrack of your youth. And you can show your love and support by going to WMNF.org and clicking on the tip jar at the top center and directing your donation to H-A-N for the Healthy Steps Radio Show. And Hot Diggity Dog, back by popular demand, is one of my favorite themes for the Healthy Steps Radio Show, A-M-A, Ask Me Anything. By golly, if you have any medical questions or anything that ails you in your body or your mind or just something that has teased or puzzled you about your medical curiosity, you are encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663 or you can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, Dr. Harvey, I always find these AMA shows exhilarating. I never know where the discussions will go, and we've gone down some mighty interesting alleys of medical curio, so I am looking forward to today's show more than words can express. So I'll knock it off with my words and finally turn the show over to you. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Monday. Bill, Thank you. you never, never cease to amaze me with your wonderful intros, and your words are fabulous. Keep using them. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure. I love to do it for you and for our listeners. I know. You really get joy out of your broadcast time. I, I'm so happy. So, um, yes, uh, again, we're back to talking with Dr. Fred, and um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of change is happening in our world today. It's just been... Uh, Really, really interesting to watch how things unfold, and uh, it it takes time. A lot of a lot of frustration, I think, is happening on all kinds of areas right now because we want to see new things happening. We're we're poised for all kinds of new stuff, but you know we're we're clinging, clinging to old ideas, old ways of doing things. Um, you know, the economic system is a juggernaut. It is. Uh, you know, like trying to move a oil tanker. It takes miles to make a turn and, and, uh, hours sometimes. You know, our global economy is going to take years to move. And it's frustrating because it's causing a lot of difficulty for a lot of people the way many of these things work. And unfortunately, we have created a problem in the delivery of healthcare because for the last century economics has ruled a big 
portion of why we actually have the non-system of non-healthcare currently uh, extant in the world. Um, you know, it's a, a non-system, especially in America, in, in other countries, other first world countries, they have actually put a system together, um, a system of public health, which is really public illness care. There is some prevention, but, you know, in America, we have a, uh, because of the way our uh, um, government, our people, our system has looked at individuality and freedom, we have no system. We have a open capitalistic marketplace for the consumption of illness care and other wellness goods. <clears throat> we have really applied the colonial um, approach, the colonialist approach of, you know, the white supremacy approach to the way healthcare is accessed and delivered because you have to have money to do it. And we've scratched together a bit of more coverage in this country by uh, succumbing to the powers of capitalism and creating a non-governmental system for people that weren't insured called the Unaffordable Unsustainable Care Act, or otherwise known as Obamacare. And that's basically a, you know, it's a fascist economic ploy to get people to put money through insurance companies where profit is extracted from the suffering. This system, not system, the system of extraction, not healthcare system, the system of extraction of this, the, the use of, of, um, of humans as commodities in a, a system where, where this profit is extracted is really a, a, a terrible delivery model for healthcare. <clears throat> and it's really terrible for illness care too, because we keep chasing our tails on illness and creating more and more cost. Cost that is not able to be addressed because the powers that are making money actually control the way the system is dealt with. So, you know, when you have high-powered specialties like cardiology and orthopedic surgery funding the lobbying, you end up getting more money going towards them than it does to go to what's called primary care. You know, primary care is supposed to be the bedrock of this, quote, system of healthcare. And it's really, uh, it's really not, unfortunately. And I, there's a great article in Time Mag called The Doctor Won't See You Now. And it addresses this problem. And people are just not happy with going to the doctor. And so we have issues where we wait and wait and wait to see the doctor. We fill out a mountain of paperwork, mostly insurance related. Wait in that scratchy paper gown to see the doctor after you waited three weeks to see the doctor. And then you wait 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 50 minutes in the office waiting in that. And then in quotes, you see, quotes the doctor, whose back is to you and the head is in the computer. 10 minutes later, you're back in the lobby with a lab order or a referral to a specialist. You get your blood work. You get a bill for the labs. You call and wait for three weeks to review it. Your visit's four minutes and you get or you don't get a prescription. There's not much continued care there. It's really a strange problem that we don't get the satisfaction. 43% of Americans are unsatisfied with healthcare. 22% in the UK and 26% in Canada. Um, supposedly, the annual physical is a ritual that helps, but I think it just generates more revenue for the health company because you do early detection not primary prevention, and you do more tests that the company then bills for. You see a specialist that the company then bills for. You get a colonoscopy that the company then bills for.
And then instead of getting actually primary prevention, you end up getting meds for prevention, which don't really prevent. They just alter the course of what's going on. And the argument for seeing the annual physician is that patients who regularly see a physician have less illness and live longer than those who don't. The argument is also that those who take a multivitamin live longer and have less health problems than those who don't. But here, here's the, the concept. This is not a clean study when you look at these people. People who regularly see a physician who regularly take a multivitamin are people who are conscious about their health. So people who are conscious about their health tend to be healthier because they take an interest in it and they do what's necessary, which is the key to any healthcare system is that the owner of the body needs to take responsibility for the body. And I think there's a lot of people that want to take responsibility for their body today. And we have callers on the line already. Indeed we do. We've got uh, one of our ever faithful friends, Greg, on the line. And we've got a long distance call of Rob from Minnesota. So let's go to Greg. He has a question about neuropathy. Good morning, Greg. I'm Gary. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, it's better, Gary. Hi, Gary. You know what? Hi, hi, guys. You know what? I was thinking. I was diagnosed with peripheral neuropathy, and um, I was wondering if there, if I could reverse it, and if I can, what they knew, what they need to do about it. Great question. Neuropathy, uh, that is damage to your nerves. Peripheral neuropathy is damage to the nerves in your hands and feet and, and, and distal, uh, uh, areas, not in your brain. Although you can have neuropathy in the brain too. The approach that functional medicine uses for any problem like this is first to look for cause. So why do you have neuropathy? Causes of neuropathy include, um, many types of toxicity and inflammation. So, Diabetes or sugar control problems can do it. Toxic exposures to metals like lead and mercury. Um, toxic exposures to mold toxins from a mycotoxin or a mold event at a house. Um, <clears throat> and um, uh, infections um, can cause neuropathy. So first we need to actually do some exploration and find out why the neuropathy is there. And while we're doing that, we can do some things that help to regenerate nerves. There's some really good evidence that there are certain vitamins and minerals and uh, 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 antioxidants that help to rebuild nerves. One of the minerals is called lithium. Low-dose lithium available as a supplement actually in doses of 300 micrograms a day have been shown to do what's called nootropism. Nootropism is the growing of new nerves. And the uh, antioxidants, uh, one of the best that helps all nerves is alpha lipoic acid, otherwise known as thioctic acid also. And a dose of 600 milligrams two to three times a day has been shown to <clears throat> improve um, uh, peripheral neuropathy and reduce the sensation of burning in the feet, say from diabetes related neuropathy. And B vitamins are well known to help with nerve regeneration also. Um, B12, methyl B12, otherwise known as methylcobalamin, very important to use. Methylfolate or methyl tetrahydromethylfolic acid <clears throat> for its full name. Those are very potent. And another one, activated thiamine called benfotiamine are also shown to help regrow peripheral nerves to help reduce the sensation but also increase the nervous function 
And so these are all really good things to do. And then to regrow the sheath of the nerves to help the fat part, omega-3 fats, fish oil, very important, four grams a day. And another is um, getting good coconut oil. Uh, saturated fats help with the nerves too. And um, uh, so those are all things you can do to really support nerve growth. Oh, and phosphatidylcholine coming from liver and eggs, also another good nerve food. How's that help you, Gary? Or is that, was, that, good? that was definitely a mouthful. Yes. And, so, and um, could exercise help? Well, exercise, as far as I know, hasn't been shown specifically to help here, but it can't hurt because every time you exercise, you increase your circulation and reduce inflammation. And those are two things you really want to do to improve your overall function. So have a great day, Gary. I'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm glad to hear Gary again. And I'm going to ask folks to participate in this great show. It is Ask Me Anything Day, so the topic is open to your imagination. So give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And we've got Rob from Minnesota who's been waiting patiently on the line. Good morning, Rob. Hello, Rob. Yep. What do you have for us today? Hey, Dr. Thank you for all of your uh, your great work here uh, for so long. Uh, I'm a, par a care practitioner myself, uh, and uh, we've had a few discussions. I, I guess I'm just going to address or ask you if you could uh, just kind of share your recent uh, findings, uh, possibly papers or something, about the holism movement, right? Uh, you know, yes. we're built and doing some work on that and Duke for a long time. But in general, do you see... Any more um, corroboration, maybe, or where do you say it, between the ASA and the AMA? Um, just kind of expand on that, and I'll uh, take your answer off. Well, what, what's, tell me first what the ASA is. Oh, American Psychology Association. Oh, okay. It's kind of the commanders of, of all the psychopharma, you know, uh, basically, they're running the show on the, uh, you know, the psychopharma side. And the yeah, AMA yeah. has, of course, all of the... Uh, you know, the somatic stuff. So just wondered if you have any new papers or anything you could share with me or, you know, we can email that as well. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm glad to talk about it. Um, what I found, though, is that there's not very much going on in collaboration. There are a few little organizations um, <clears throat> working to try and, and pull some things together. I think the, the biggest collaboration I see is when we go to, uh, like, the... Um, uh, uh, Sand, um, uh, science, and um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, the Sand Conference looks at the consciousness. The consciousness work going on is very interesting, <clears throat> and that's where we're seeing yeah. more of a connection. But um, you know, since 2013, when the National Institutes of Mental Health told the uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, that that the DSM-5 was not a very valuable valuable tool when it comes down to looking at research because it's not biologic medicine; it's simply symptom categorization and um, they were invited to stop using that and join us in biologic medicine and I haven't seen a lot of of that kind of work because 10 years on I'm still seeing uh, Prozac and ser uh, serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors as the primary uh, intervention for people with mood disorder and the serotonin theory has been disproven numerous times and I don't understand why they're still doing it so I'm really distressed that 
uh, my former colleagues and your colleagues are are not really working together to find new answers because psychiatry is really uh, uh, failing the the human public because they're not doing biologic medicine. Well, I would just, I guess I would interject or um, argue there. You know, I was up at the NIH and I was 16, I started. Uh, I went to a meeting, I think I went in 17 and then online and 18 or the other way around. But anyway, um, point B is the interoception movement, right? Is alive and well. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on that. And then I think that. Wait, which, which movement is that? Uh, uh, interoception. Okay. Right? Like basically, there was a conference on this this concept. So they're obviously talking about gut brain, right? Hypopituitary axis um, stuff. But <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is, now it's like as last year, there was some really great stuff coming out of Vanderbilt um, that is talking about the holistic. Right? We we look for it does kind of co-join. But anyway, what they are doing is a little more uh, deeper kind of dive into that connection and trying to reduce this psychosomatic uh, psychotropy, basically, right? The idea that, well, you need a drug, you know, whether it's uh, a mental or a physical piece yeah. of medicine. Um, I don't remember her name, but I'm happy to try and look that up for you, uh, you know, if you're curious about finding one. Yeah, that would be great if you want to um, send that along to email. Super, super. Okay, good enough. Well, thank you for your time on that. And, uh, you know, just staying strong with the with the idea of, uh, of empowering the patient. I think it's... Absolutely. Yeah, so, all right. Thanks for your input. My pleasure. Good day to you. You too. I do have some emails here, but uh, do you want to re-identify the station so we can get some more calls? Oh, I'm going to give people a big scoop of what's going on here. You're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. His uh, topic today is Ask Me Anything. I love the wide open arms that he's going to welcome you with your questions. So give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And you can also text us at 813-433-0885. And let's go digging through those emails there, doctor. Definitely. So um, here's one from um, Joe in Dover. <clears throat> my friend just found out that he's got stage four throat cancer. He's starting treatments tomorrow. I am recommending that he comes to see me if it's possible. <clears throat> I'm curious about ways to help him have a recovery. He may be listening. Well, I think that um, anyone who's going through chemotherapy deserves to have a functional medicine doctor on board with them because our approach is to support people through uh, intensive illness and to help them recover from it. Um, so stage four means that it has metastasized. It has extended beyond the original cancer location. So that makes it more severe. It's harder to treat. And so it's likely that radiation therapy is going to be used here. And there are some things you can do to actually augment radiation therapy so it works better. There are several studies on something called shark liver oil um, under a couple of different brand names. I think I've seen Alcurol and Echomer, but shark liver oil has a property in it that helps to augment 
the effect of the radiation therapy. And then things that can help to reduce the damaging effect are antioxidants. Even though they say that that's something you don't want to do, the issue with radiation is that it doesn't just stay where you are radiated, though that's where the biggest damage is. It creates oxidative stress in the rest of the body. The rest of the body needs to survive the radiation therapy. And so taking antioxidants, even though it may be talked negatively about by an oncologist. From what I have read, there's actually no evidence whatsoever that radiation is interfered with by taking antioxidants. That's simply a hypothesis. And I have never seen anyone have a problem. And in fact, there are clinical studies that show that people getting chemo and radiation can do well with adjuvant antioxidant therapy. For instance, um, in the 70s, Linus Pauling and colleagues produced several uh, very good case reports about using intravenous vitamin C while people were undergoing chemotherapy, and they got five and 10-year survivals out of it. So um, there is no one specific protocol for taking care of somebody through a very serious illness. And that's why I recommend that you see a functional medicine doctor to get good guidance. And I'm not sure where your friend is, Joe, probably in Dover. And so I'd suggest that we consider um, going on instituteforfunctionalmedicine.org, ifm.org, and look up the uh, practitioner finder and you can search out a doctor there. I think we have someone on the line. We do, but I'm going to take this moment at the mic to do a one more shout out with a phone number and remind folks you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here in WMNF Tampa. And give us a call at 813-239-9663 or keep sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And you can text us at 813-433-0885. Looks like we've got Paul from Tampa and Tom from Largo just joining us. Let's go to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hey there. Good morning, Dr. Harvey. Thank you for this excellent show. Um, I just, and I'm a a physician, um, so I have a little bit of a different background, but I really appreciate the information you give to all of us that doctors are not uh, given in their training. Um, but my question was pretty specific. If you have any information about a copper peptide, I have been reading a little bit about something called GHKCU, and I was curious if you had any information or thoughts about its relevance to health and um, disease processes and things like that. Excellent question. Thank you, Paul. And um, uh, thank you for being the first, uh, no, I think the second physician that's called. Um, This is great. Um, The uh, peptides, uh, rather new area of concern. I think that the next place we're going to be looking for ways to intervene uh, successfully in human health is, is proteomics. Proteomics, the study of the proteins, peptides, small pieces of protein, uh, three amino acids or more. Um, and uh, peptides are, are really uh, potent um, um, uh, at changing things. And, and uh, so copper peptide, um, I'm not familiar with the specific one you're talking about, but what I understand globally right now is that they are movers and shakers. And so this could be a very potent um, uh, tool. I'm just not sure where it's going to be used as yet. Um, and my next area of concern and research is going to be diving into more of the peptides because we use some of them like um, um, uh, the the uh, uh, p- 
pituitary uh, peptides that help with uh, uh, water uh, balance and things like that. But there are many others. Um, even um, um, growth hormone is a peptide and, and insulin is essentially a peptide. It's a very small, small uh, protein uh, hormone. And so th these are all very interesting. And yes, I, I think uh, that's where I'm going next because I have a couple of colleagues that are really diving into it. And I think we're going to find some really very actually effective and safe tools there. Well, thank you. I appreciate your, your insight as always. Have a great day. I look forward to your listening to your next show when I can. Glad to. Hey, Paul, wh uh, what specialty are you in? Um, I'm a physiatrist, physical medicine and rehabilitation. Oh, wonderful. There are not enough of you doing that work. Um, um, I, I no. love physiatry because you spend time where, unfortunately, orthopedics doesn't. <laughs> and they need to because if they did what you were doing, we'd have a lot less knee and hip surgeries. <laughs> right. Yeah, it'd be nice to prevent a lot of the problems that we see. That's for sure. Exactly. That would be so good. Um, um, I, um, I just think that physical modalities, when you actually really spend the time on it, are so important. And we just... In our current rush, rush, rush practice, we don't spend enough time. Primary care doctors don't have enough time to actually do a really thorough evaluation of the musculoskeletal system. And that's why I quit doing primary care. I needed the time to actually look at these things and say, well, you need to go to see a physiatrist. You need to see an orthopedist. You need to see a muscle activation technique specialist so I could figure out where they need to go, a chiropractor or a massage therapist. Yeah, it's uh, big Thank team, you. teamwork. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Tom, yeah. I think, is on from uh, uh, Largo. He is, but I'm going to get between you and Tom and tell folks to give us a call at 813-239-9663 and join us in this conversation of Ask Me Anything here on WMNF Tampa. Here's Tom. Good morning. Hi, Tom. Hi, are you familiar with EMR? EMR? EMR. Um, uh, pulsed magnetic resonance? Maybe, I don't know the name. Or, or, or are you talking about polymyalgia or matica? Yeah, that's it, yes. Okay, yes, I am. <clears throat> polymyalgia or matica is an inflammatory condition. Right, my wife is diagnosed a year ago with it, and all they do is give her prednisone, more prednisone, it's not helping. Or if you right. have any ideas. Yes, I do. Um, great question. So what you just described there is the classic allopathic, that means the current medical system, allopathic suppression therapy. Um, what that does is it actually puts to bed uh, with a blunt tool uh, a process that is telling you you're doing something wrong. Um, inflammation is evidence that you're doing something wrong with your body. And so polymyalgia rheumatic is a very vague, very diffuse inflammation of the small arteries in your body. Things that cause um, small artery inflammation are toxins like uric acid, sugar, and mycotoxins and lead and iron all of these things cause irritation but the real thing here is that there since this has been going on a year or more there's something that's been bothering the body it could be one of those toxins 
But it could also be something as simple as um, dairy products, gluten, um, egg proteins, all of which cause inflammation. And so I think the best approach, since she's already on suppressive therapy, is to just start taking things away. Start taking out the gluten, the eggs, and the dairy. Follow a diet like the Walls diet, W-A-H-L-S, apostrophe. You can search that online. You can find the food pyramid that Dr. Walls has done. And also you can find an entire dissertation on how to apply the Walls diet recipes and all kinds of stuff but the bottom line is it is a paleo style diet it eliminates many of the major uh inflammation causes as i said dairy gluten eggs um also eliminate beans because lectins from beans cause irritation and then um you also want to get rid of sugar processed foods alcohol Eliminate all those things and see if progress occurs. If not, in the meantime, you can go to ifm.org and look for a functional medicine doctor in your area because I think that that would be useful also. Okay, great. We'll give it a try. Give it a go. Oh, also, remember, fish oil puts the blanket on all inflammation. So get on four grams of good quality omega-3 fatty acids a day. Okay. All right, will do. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Well, it was great to have uh, Tom there on the line, and I appreciate the patience of Greg in Sarasota. So let's go to Greg. Good morning to you. Good morning. Greg? Hi, Greg. Howdy. Um, thanks for taking my call. I'm wondering, do you... do you work with any mast cell disorders, specifically HATS? Hereditary alpha, hereditary alpha Um, Actually, I've never seen anybody with HATS. However, I have seen a lot of people with mast cell activation problems. Um, you know, mast cell activation is a poorly understood and poorly defined illness, but it involves the activation of the mast cells, M-A-S-T. These cells are in your um, uh, skin and other organs, and they actually are the histamine holding cells. So they cause histaminic allergy type reactions and inappropriately in people that have mast cell activation. Things that trigger this are toxins, um, mycotoxemia, um, uh, other, uh, uh, oh, I forgot uh, on the previous caller that, you know, COVID and COVID shots can cause a constant vascular inflammation also and other types of uh, uh, vaccination. So these two can um, um, cause uh, um, the kind of uh, um, deterioration we're talking about here. Uh, what would you like to know otherwise? Well, I mean, I guess that you haven't really worked with any HATS patients. I'm just wondering about diet, histamine, um, you know, foods that are low histamine, if that, if that helps. Um, just what yeah, can... Actually, what it's, it's quite likely... Quite likely that will help. And so you have this hereditary condition where um, <clears throat> your tryptase, is a uh, molecule that helps you deal with these kind of inflammations, is not really available for you to be using well. And so... Um, you need to support other pieces of the system. Um, you need to try and keep the histamine as low as possible and stop the mast cells from being triggered. Um, things that can help stabilize mast cells include quercetin, um, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, the antioxidant, um, and the use of fish oil can help. 
um, as well as doing a low histamine diet. And you can search out a low histamine diet online, but things we know of that are really glaringly full of histamines are fermented foods like sauerkraut and kombucha, um, yogurt and aged cheeses, um, other um, foods that may not be quite as obvious, uh, avocados uh, actually are histaminic food, and so are tomatoes. And so you want to avoid these foods as much as possible, but quite often in people that have a significant activation of this, this syndrome, especially in somebody who's got a genetic heritable uh, uh, cause for it, um, I, I found that most of the uh, immunologists, allergists that deal with this have people on multiple antihistamines from both classes. They use the uh, H1 and H2 blockers, meaning one for the general system and one for the stomach because there's uh, issues there. And then there's an enzyme called diamine oxidase. Diamine oxidase breaks down histamine in your gut, and that may give you an edge on some of these symptoms. Great. Great, I appreciate it. I've been battling this for quite a while, and like you say, it's very misunderstood and aggravating. So, because most doctors, you go in and they roll your eyes, their eyes. Well, they have no clue what it is because it's very rare. Um, though it's actually coming up in frequency because we have many more people dealing with the toxicities that induce it. Right, right. Okay, uh, doctor, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're so welcome. Have a great week. Okay, you too. <clears throat> So I have yeah. an email here. Um, this one is um, regarding arthritis. Uh, are you, am I familiar with arthritis affecting fingernail growth? Um, this person, as well as two of his brothers, are experiencing the same ailment in one finger on their left hands. It's interesting how it's familial showing up on one side. Uh, <clears throat> that does occur. But so um, it's well known that psoriatic arthritis is associated with nail changes. Psoriasis, primarily a skin disease, can also cause an arthritis. So psoriatic arthritis, well known for skin or for skin and nail problems. Sometimes rheumatoid arthritis can do it, but primarily what I've seen has been from um, psoriatic arthritis. So I think we're we've got some um, um, uh, open phone lines. Yeah, we do. I've got uh, Marie Ann from Seminole with a question about sugar substitutes. Good morning to you. Hello, Mary Ann. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good morning. Yes, I was listening to a, a PBS program on uh, sugar substitute, and I didn't catch the beginning, but they were talking about Truvia and company, and they said all of these were not good. Um, so my question is, I take the stevia in drops. What do you think about that? Because I have, I have, uh, I, I'm, I have diabetes, so I have to watch what, how much sugar I take in. Yes, uh, uh, that's an excellent question. There's a lot been in the news recently about it. Um, you can follow Instagram and 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 Facebook feeds. Uh, all of the natural doctors are mentioning the new study that talked about how erythritol may cause some brain problems. So, um, sugar substitutes. There are um, um, better ones and there are worse ones. The better ones so far appear to be monk fruit and stevia. Those are just extracts of two plants that don't have any nutritional uh, uh, carbohydrate value, but they do taste sweet. Um, those two are 
limited in the amount of studies available, but nothing suggests yet that they are problematic. But as with anything that we do, limiting intake is the best. So moderation makes a lot of sense for using them. Now, going into the next set of the um, flavoring agents, essentially, the sugar alcohols. Sugar alcohols um, are net carb zero, but they do have the uh potential to cause gastrointestinal problems because they're not well absorbed and they may cause some laxative effect. It seems that erythritol does get somewhat absorbed and it may cause some neurologic effect. Again, mm. we don't want to be doing um, uh, lots of these chemicals. And one problem with I found with monk fruit is that you can't find straight up monk fruit powder in any store in Sarasota. They're all polluted with erythritol. In fact, even the ones that say monk fruit extract on the front label the main ingredient on the back panel is erythrotol because oh, wow. it's cheaper and it's a it's a basically it's a, a an industrial chemical byproduct that they're just dumping into our 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 foods um and it's not a food and so we really should be limiting the intake of those and then we can go to the bad ones um uh um polysucrose is otherwise known as sucralose and that is chlorine treated sugar yeah wow. chlorine treated sugar so it's a nasty toxin. You don't want to be using sucralose or Splenda. Second, saccharin. Actually, saccharin is probably safer than the other two, but we don't want to use it because there's a potential that if you do 800 times the dose that killed a rat, you might get cancer from it. But again, it doesn't taste very good. And if we can deal without the sugar, it's better. Or it's a sugar substitute. And and finally, um, from my perspective, um, uh, equal. Um, um, aspartame, neurotoxin, poison, 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 needs to be avoided at all costs. And so if you're going to use sugar substitutes, stick with monk fruit drops and stevia drops. They're the cleanest you can find. Limit the amount of use. And if you need to, put a half a teaspoon of sugar in with it to actually give your tongue the actual feel of that. It's only going to be two grams of carbohydrate. It's not going to affect things very much if you really need to have the sugar-sweetened beverage, etc. Okay. How about uh, uh, using some honey? You know, honey is a very good thing too. Again, it's sugar though, so limit the amount of that. And then there's finally something that's new on the market. It's a sugar called allulose. Allulose kind of works like sugar. You can bake with it, you can cook with it, and it's just not uh, uh, getting absorbed. So using too much of allulose will actually again result in a kind of a laxative effect. So we need to limit our amounts of use in these kinds of things. How do you spell that word that you use? A-L-L. U. L O S E. Al Ulos. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so very much, Doctor. You're so welcome, Marianne. Have a great day. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. So here's one. Uh, Melinda um, <clears throat> asks A friend of mine was recently diagnosed with limited small cell lung cancer. Last week she had chemo. For the next three weeks, she will have radiation. <clears throat> I recommend that she gets on a strong multivitamin um, and antioxidant support. I think that everyone who has cancer should consider using a combination of specific uh, uh, plant extracts, including resveratrol or terostilbene, which is methylated resveratrol, and green tea extract that contains epigallocatechin gallate, um, turmeric extract with curcuminoids, and um, 
Also, uh, broccoli extract or brassica extract, broccoli sprout extract called sulforaphane. These four things affect the, the lifespan of cancer. And those things I think would be really important as baseline. I think that, um, Melinda, your friend should talk to a functional medicine doctor, um, or a good, uh, nutritionist who supports people with cancer. Um, we have another one here. Good morning, gentlemen. You guys are wonderful. Looking for some advice on extreme low bone density and osteoporosis in a 68-year-old male. Compression fractures. Um, um, one doctor wants me on testosterone. One wants me on prolia. Um, and, and so um, his testosterone was 790 already. And so there's no benefit that I can see by adding more testosterone. Um, because you're already at the top end of the reference range for testosterone. So with that many, um, and in fact, I have to tell you, I've had patients <clears throat> with, with uh, males <clears throat> with compression fractures, and it was due to low testosterone, and we got them um, um, to at least slow down. Um, he was in his mid eighties with testosterone. Um, it's really hard once the bones are that brittle to work on it, but I would consider the use of a IV bisphosphonate or prolia to start the process of strengthening them. But you need to make sure you're getting really good, um, protein intake, uh, at least, um, uh, three fourths of a gram to a gram of protein per pound of body weight a day to help build up the protein matrix of the spine. Make sure your vitamin D levels are good. Um, make sure that you're getting enough calcium and you want to get calcium and magnesium and you want to get it from leafy greens. Try to get three or four cups of leafy greens a day. Get your exercise. That's one of the harder things when you have these many things going on, but all these things are going to help, uh, grow more bone and you can monitor the bone metabolism metabolism by looking at an N-telopeptide, N-telopeptide, and you can also look at a procollagen peptide, P-I-N-P. Both of those will tell us whether you're losing bone or making bone and help to understand what more needs to be done there. Hope that works for you, Gib. I'm going to jump on in right now while you're looking over some of the emails that uh, you've been receiving. And remind folks, we're down to a sliver under 15 minutes, and our topic today is Ask Me Anything, so it should be very easy for you to participate and give us a call at 813-239-9663. Irene's been handling the phones like a champion in there, and she's looking forward to your call. And you can also continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org and text us at 813-433-0885. And what have you dug on up for us, doctor? Well, someone's asking if I repeat the supplements for nerve damage. That's easy. Alpha lipoic acid, benfotiamine, methylcobalamin, methylfolate. Phosphatidylcholine, you can get that in a supplement form or you can get it from egg yolks and liver and fish oil, four grams of fish oil a day. Donna asks if there's a vegan substitute for fish oil. Um, there is an algae-based DHA. It's a lot more expensive, but um, you can get uh, very good results using algae-based DHA. If you don't get the result that you want, you may need to switch over to fish oil. 
Um, <clears throat> but that will take some time to find out. A couple months on some algae-based um, DHA, and you may find you have some great results. Greg asks, is the use of iodized or non-iodized salt recommended for general food seasoning? He has had previous thyroid issues and want to naturally support the thyroid. He prefers mineral-based salts. However, these sources rarely have iodide added. So I have found that um, I, I prefer sea salt. And I uh, know that several companies actually iodize sea salt. Most of the natural Celtic ones do not. But um, uh, Morton salt has actually added sea salt and they have an iodized sea salt. And um, <clears throat> the uh, Hain Celestial Seasonings Company also has iodized sea salt. And so both of those companies have it readily available uh, at most um, stores. You can access that and you can probably find it online as well. And I find that most of my clients who end up using iodized sea salt to cook their foods when I recheck their iodine levels, they're in the range that the World Health Organization suggests is adequate to manage the thyroid. And so that's a, a good thing. You don't have to actually take iodine supplements. But I've also seen people do well eating regular sea seaweed snacks. Those crunchy little sesame kind of flavored seaweed snacks are actually beneficial and contain iodine and people can raise their levels doing that. Let's see. Marge asks, does a whole foods plant-based diet, no salt, oil, sugar, need added salt? My sister has low sodium and is on such a diet. <clears throat> well, um, plant-based for some people means that they are vegan. And um, plant-based for me seems logically, if you're based in something, you extend it elsewhere. Like I'm Sarasota-based, but I travel to New York and LA and other places. So I'm plant-based in my diet, 80% plant, 20% animal. So I'm not sure what this plant-based means because it's a kind of vague term that I think we should actually stop using and be more defined about what we are doing. Is it vegetarian? Is it vegan? Um, so I think that um, uh, added salt is a good thing. I think low sodium is a bad thing. Um, and also, um, no oil is possibly necessarily a bad thing because your brain actually needs oil to function on. And as we evolved, we ate a lot of seafood, um, fish, and we got oily fish, <clears throat> small oily fish because we net fished a lot. And so... Um, our, a lot of our oils did come from animal products as we evolved, and they help our brains grow and get more healthy. Um, and I think that anybody who's on a whole foods diet deserves a little bit of iodized sea salt to keep things running. I believe we have a caller. We do, and we are also down to the lightning round, about seven, eight more minutes here with some change. So let's uh, give the number again. It's 813-239-9663 to participate in this Ask Me Anything series. Irene's waiting to take your calls, and we've gotten a call from Jay in Sarasota who wants to ask a question about neuropathy. Good morning, Jay. Morning, doctor. Hi there. Um, hi. I have been having neuropathy uh, mainly in my feet and legs for years. But in the past couple of years, it just is increasing and increasing more and more. So uh, there's pain and uh, 
tingling, numbness, and I it has almost given me a feeling of disorientation of where I'm stepping and uh, control of my feet of uh, just sort of knowing where they're going and and uh, the feeling that they have and don't have. Yes, so um, that's uh, uh, a a chronic neuropathy issue. And the fact that you have still some um, um, uh, discomfort sensation means that the nerves are still recoverable. So you need a good nerve recovery program and also an exploration of why and where. So have you had a workup for diabetes, toxicity, and other causes of neuropathy? That would be the first thing to explore. Once you find cause, deal with that. But in the meantime, support the nerves, as I said, again, with high-dose alpha-lipoic acid, 600 milligrams three times a day, probably time release would be the best. Um, and um, that can cause heartburn, so pay attention. Um, benfotiamine, activated thiamine, methyl cobalamin, that's methyl B12, methylfolate, that's methylfolic acid, uh, these things, and, and fish oil, obviously, and um, uh, phosphatidylcholine all help to rebuild the nerves. You should see results in three months. Oh, no, I, I have had a few of those uh, supplements suggested to me, but I, um, <clears throat> nobody has ever talked about that, and it sounds like uh, I've just sort of been doomed to uh, no repair of the system, and and it's- yes, I'm I'm seriously disappointed in my former colleagues because this knowledge is published. It's in PubMed. This is real science, and I really feel badly for patients and my former colleagues because they can't figure it out. They are not telling people the truth. They are not giving people the whole thing, and. That follows into exactly what my friend Robin from Anna Maria Island said. Great show. Thank you. I haven't seen a doctor in 20 years. People are usually shocked by this. She has what's called iatrophobia, fear of doctors. People are afraid to go into these offices where they're afraid they're going to have something happen to them or they're going to have a bad experience because a lot of people have. We don't have a healthcare system. It's broken. And sadly, they're not telling you what you need to know to get better. They're not giving you health care. And I'm so sorry that that's actually occurred with you. Yeah, it has. And it's just, I've, I've been <clears throat> several uh, neurologists and basically they want me to go on. Uh, uh, it's the medicine that you take for uh, seizures. Uh, what, what's that? Seizures. You take it for seizures and it's called allopathic suppressive therapy. They're going to suppress your brain so you don't notice you have the pain while the pain continues to deteriorate your nerves. Let's treat them. Find a functional medicine doctor, ifm.org, and get some health care. In the meantime, go on those supplements I've talked about four times now on this show. We have time for one more call, if that's okay. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jay. I'm going to jump real quickly on over to Kathy from Lakeland. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Hi there. Um, I'm brand new at this. I'll be real quick. I know you guys are wanting to get off the air, but my question is, and I will tell you, I am so afraid of buying a multivitamin because of all the junk that is put into them. And I'm just wondering if you can recommend a good, clean multivitamin for a 67-year-old woman. 
So here's what I would suggest. You can go to a functional medicine doctor like me or a functional pharmacy and get supplements from them. But you can also use this rule of thumb. Look at the label. If the label has artificial dyes or, or words you can't pronounce that are not vitamins um, in the formula, uh, colors, dyes, and things like that, get rid of it. We know that Centrum and those type of vitamins have that crap in them. And then if you actually look at what's in there, you want to find activated chelated minerals. Look for the Albion seal on there for minerals. Chelated minerals are the best absorbed minerals. You want to look for active vitamins. As I describe on here, the B vitamins aren't just B12. It's methylcobalamin, methylfolate. Um, and so look and ask at the health food store, what is your best quality vitamin? Find the ones like that. I don't have one specifically to recommend, but there are some really good ones out there. And I would avoid food-based vitamins because you get your vitamins from your food. Get solid, high-dose vitamins. Well, one more thing that I wanted to tell you, and you are so true and correct. We need to pay attention to our bodies. Nobody wants to pay attention. They want to complain about the pains and aches, but they don't realize what they're doing to their body to start with. I you are so right. The hard way. I, I love your attitude, and that is right. Everybody has to do self-care. It's the first step. If you don't do it, you're lost. That's right. Thanks for taking my call. You're so welcome. It was wonderful talking with you, Kathy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a great one to wrap this on up with, Doc. I think that we're coming to the end of the show. I was wondering, you got anything to keep us on the edge of our seats till next week? Yes. Um, um Great show, gentlemen. And I believe he's saying Bill needs a raise. He is probably the most eloquent person on WMNF. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, uh, I totally moments. agree. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we're all volunteer here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, uh, I do love it. And thank you, Irene. And thank you, Bill. Great work today. Um, again, um, we're looking at a wide open schedule. So my gift to you is continued AMAs and a bit of my opinion about what I read in the news until somebody decides they want to come back on the show. And I'm in no rush for that. This is fun. Yeah, I don't think our listeners are either. They've been having a great time listening to you and coming on up with some great questions to contribute to the show. So I want to thank you, Dr. Harvey, for a wonderful show today and to thank all of our listeners and participants. And of course, Irene for handling the phones. And until next Monday at 10 o'clock, Everybody on out there, take care, stay healthy. Y'all are the greatest. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming right on up is 5 Minutes of NPR News, and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. And until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. <laughs>